Welcome to the Explore the Circular Economy podcast by the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. This is the Explore the Circular Economy podcast, where we discuss how to move away from a linear take-make-waste economy to one that designs out waste and pollution, keeps products and materials in use, and regenerates natural systems, a circular economy. My name is Rob, and I'm part of the learning team of the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. In today's episode, we are joined by two guests, Oriana Romano, Head of Unit for Water Governance and Circular Economy at the OECD, and Janet Agron, the Deputy Mayor of Umeå in Sweden. In this episode, we look at the ways in which cities around the world are measuring their progress towards a circular economy. We have seen both the drivers and the obstacles that cities have faced in this transition, but most importantly, how cities have overcome these barriers. To kick off the conversation, Sarah O'Carroll, the Government and Cities Network Manager at the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, asked Oriana why cities are interested in the circular economy. Sure. Hi. Thank you for having me on the show and thank you for this question. So um, I would say that there are at least three main uh, reasons for which cities are increasingly interested in the circular economy. And this is what we basically found out from a survey that we conducted across uh, 50 cities from OECD countries and also through what we call policy dialogues, which are works that we are carrying out with specific cities, including with uh, Umea, uh, that is uh, today present in this show as well. So these three uh, reasons are mainly related to the first one uh, on uh, tackling environmental related issues. The second uh, is to create economic opportunities and jobs. And the third is on related to uh, boost innovation and new business models. And let me elaborate a bit on this. So regarding the environmental related issues, uh, we know that cities are basically uh, causes of several environmental related problems, like for example, they produce up to 70% of greenhouse gases emissions, they demand two thirds of global energy, and they also produce 50% of uh, solid waste, which is projected to double by 2050. So we know also that uh, by uh, 2050, 9 billion people will be living on this planet and 55% of those who will be living in cities. So that will be an increasing demand for infrastructure, for housing, for transport and services. Now, given that uh, material management is one of the main causes of all greenhouse gases emissions, circular economy related activities in cities, uh, and in particular, for example, in terms of management of steel, cement, but also plastic, are uh, have the benefit of reducing uh, CO2 emissions. For example, Amsterdam, only for the uh, construction sector, projects that uh, there would be a reduction of uh, uh, almost a half a million tons of CO2 emission per year for the construction sector. 
When it comes to jobs, uh, we have to take into account that the circular economy-related activities in terms of repairing, upgrading, remanufacturing are much more labor-intensive than uh, mining or manufacturing activities of the linear economy. So cities are looking at these opportunities. And for example, in the European Union, by 2030, uh, employment in relation to the circular economy can increase of about 700,000 jobs. So this is a great number indeed. And when it comes to the third reason, so innovation and new business models and we can see the cities are at the heart of this innovation. For example, they are looking for solutions to uh, make a mobility for people and not for cars. Uh, they uh, are looking for ways to repurposing empty buildings in order to reduce raw materials. There are solutions for urban agriculture for water and energy efficiencies and cities have the power to do so because they hold competencies on all these sectors so water, energy, construction, climate change and they also are responsible for about 60% of environmental and climate related spending. So we can say that the cities are both a cause of the problems but also part of the solutions. Absolutely, Ariana. And I think that's a fantastic kind of summary of why cities are interested. Positive environmental impact, job creation, and boosting innovation. Um, certainly a compelling case for change. So in your research, it'd be great to also hear about sort of what the main challenges and obstacles that cities are facing today as they're trying to move towards a circular economy. What did you find? Well, in this uh, report on the circular economy in cities and regions uh, that, by the way, will be out at the end of October on the 28th, uh, cities uh, that we surveyed uh, shared, uh, of course, the several uh, challenges that are facing. Uh, I will mention a few. Uh, for example, one of the most important is related to insufficient funding. Uh, this will make cities work mainly or on small projects and low-risk projects that, of course, have a limited impact in terms of uh, which kind of jobs they can create and also how much effectively they can lead toward uh, carbon neutrality objectives for example. Another problem is in relation to regulatory obstacles. Uh, there is still a lot of work in, uh, on around the definition of waste type of waste can be actually reused, uh, whether, for example, waste or reclaimed water or sludge are compatible and how much they are compatible with health and ecological standards. Um, and also another important uh, obstacle is uh, how to uh, overcome silos uh, in many cities. So all these sectors related to the circular economy from solid waste to water to energy to construction, build environment, land use, they're usually managed and um, developed in silos, meaning 
at sectorial level. So municipalities are working towards uh, developing a more systemic approach that would like uh, to uh, achieve uh, more uh, systemic and holistic solution. But this is still a challenge because doing so is not an easy task. And finally, uh, there are also uh, cultural barriers. This was uh, an obstacle for almost 70% of cities that we surveyed. Uh, there is um, almost two-thirds of cities uh, find out that citizens and business, for example, are not very much aware of the circular economy concept and what the benefit can bring. So there is the need of uh, working on building capacities, engaging stakeholders, but also having more data and information available to inform policymaking and implementation. Thanks for that, Ariana. I think um, insufficient funding, waste management, working in silos, cultural barriers, and just a general lack of awareness of what the circular economy is and the benefits that it can add um, are certainly um, things that we hear from the cities that we work with on a day-to-day -day basis. I think it would be really interesting for you to talk to us a little bit about um, different things in terms of tools and initiatives that cities are using around the world because you've managed to interview so many different cities as part of the research. It would be great to hear a little bit more about how the circular economy plays out in different contexts. Sure. Uh, so, yes, it's true. We interviewed and surveyed cities from Europe, North and South America, Japan, Australia, New Zealand. As I said, there is an increasing interest uh, from these cities uh, towards more circular economy models. Uh, I have to say that most of the cities that we interviewed, and they range from 1 billion inhabitants to less than 500,000 inhabitants, so different sizes, different capacities, different means also, uh, they um, are more almost a half of this uh, sample are newcomers, as also in the case of Umea, for example. They would like to be leader in the circular economy and they are uh, implementing tools uh, to uh, achieve these goals. 37% of this sample already has um, circular strategies, a roadmap, long-term plans in place, but more than half of them are uh, in the face of developing one. So that's why we call them new, new, newcomers, because they are starting now to have an understanding of what are the best tools to put, uh, to put in place to achieve this uh, transition from a linear to a circular model. But just let me tell you a couple of tools that we think are very important. The first one is a pilot and experimentation. More than 80% of cities and regions uh, uh, surveyed are using pilot in order to uh, start small but also scale up. The, the idea is really to scale up all these projects as initiative and initiatives. So there are many experimentations like for example in terms of food waste reduction like in Phoenix in the US or in Dundee in, the New, Ze in New Zealand. Uh, there are experimentation on modular building or pop-up circular neighborhood, like for example in Groningen 
in the Netherlands or smart technologies for uh, waste collection and treatment like in Valladolid in Spain. And the second tool, which I think is very powerful for cities, is uh, public procurement. Public procurement already represents, in general, 12% of uh, GDP in OECD uh, countries, and subnational governments are responsible for 73% of public procurement. In the circular economy, there are lots of opportunities so in, in, for, in the building sectors, in food and catering, for example, and cities are moving uh, towards in, including circular economy principles in tendering, for example, in the construction sector, but also uh, using product as a service uh, in order to rent things rather than buying from uh, scratch and also promote in-use phase of uniforms and uh, work uh, clothes, like, for example, in Kitakyushu, Japan. Great. That's such a great overview. Um, So one of the things that we've discussed definitely is that cities, whether they're newcomers, as you said, or more advanced, they are definitely very interested in kind of learning how and figuring out how they can measure their progress towards a circular economy. Why are cities, in, in your view, finding it so challenging to measure that progress towards a circular economy? Uh, indeed, uh, it's something that uh, it's very challenging for a variety of reasons. First of all, let me tell you that in this report we have dedicated an entire chapter on measuring the circular economy uh, because it's something that cities uh, uh, would like uh, to do in the future. Uh, we found over we collected over 400 indicators for several uh, strategies and framework on the circular economy cities and basically what we saw is that at the moment progress are uh, mainly measured uh, on environmental issues there are the majority of the indicators are related to the waste sector so, so I would say that are uh, mostly kind of data driven so it depends on really the availability of data and how these indicators can be adapted to the circular economy framework uh, for the challenges of course uh, it is uh, first of all, very difficult to define an indicator framework where the very same definition of the circular economy is a little bit uncertain in the sense that it's open to interpretation. Uh, another challenge is that there is a lack of a harmonization across the cities that would allow also to compare progress and also to share experiences in this sense. And again, there is a lack of a systemic approach because all these sectors that are part of a circular economy framework or model are measured uh, in silos. So we have data on waste, we have data on water, we have data on energy, but it's very difficult to have an understanding of these synergies and uh, how they can contribute overall to a systemic change. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose the good news is that we know that the OECD, um, as part of this report, is work has been working on a checklist for action and a scoreboard for cities as well, so that they can uh, measure their progress. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Like, how will cities use it, and when might it be available? 
Sure, with pleasure. So what we did is that when we looked at the obstacles so that cities uh, surveyed, uh, uh, pointed out, uh, one of the things was that it's not so much about uh, the lack of technical solutions. Uh, they were asking mostly for guidance in terms of how to put this in place and what the city could do in terms of the governance condition that could uh, favor this transition. So we developed a checklist for action in order to support uh, governments at different levels, uh, of course, including cities, uh, to be promoter, facilitators, and enablers of uh, circular of the circular economy. So, for example, promoters by leading by example, setting long-term strategies, increase awareness, uh, facilitators in terms of uh, uh, facilitate dialogue and synergies across sectors, but also across uh, several stakeholders and actors, and enablers by removing uh, regulatory obstacles, allocating financial resources, uh, developing capacities, and uh, and so on. So the checklist uh, uh, is a reflection of these three roles, so promoters, facilitators, and enablers. There are many actions that cities can take concretely, and the checklist is accompanied by a scoreboard, which is a self-assessment tools on the existence and the functioning of these governance conditions. So any city can use uh, the scoreboard in order to test and to have an understanding of where do they stand in terms of uh, uh, the existence and the functionality of these uh, governance conditions, what can be improved, what can be changed, and uh, how they can more efficiently and effectively move towards uh, the transition. Fantastic. Thank you. And will that be available with the public rep um, launch of the report as well at the end of October? Indeed, end of October, scoreboards, checklists, and all this uh, information I shared uh, will be available in the report on the circular economy in cities and regions. Great. We're definitely looking forward to that coming out. Thanks. Thanks. Janet, let's bring you into the conversation now because you are one of the case study cities as part of the OECD's research. And it's great to see a small city like Umia in Sweden really driving circular economy. And because Ash and I work with Umia, we know a little bit about the city and its context. But for those um, tuning in and watching from all around the world, maybe you could give us um, a little bit of insight um, and describe the city and the context that you work in. Thank you, and thank you very much for the opportunity to be part of this podcast today. Well, Umeå is uh, located in the Arctic region, and I would say we're similar to many other European cities when it comes to size. Uh, we're not too big, we're not too small, uh, but we're big enough to make things happen. At the moment, we have a population of 130,000 citizens. Uh, I would also say we are quite uh, young and progressive city, uh, uh, and that we have a willingness to try new things. Uh, the average age of our city is about uh, 39 years old, so it's uh, below national average. Uh, and that's uh, mainly uh, thanks to all our students that are arriving to our city every, every autumn, every year. And uh, they very much give the city new energy, so we're very happy about that. And I myself was once uh, one of these new students arriving to Umeå. Uh, but I believe it's uh, thanks to the students and the, the young people that we have, uh, one of Europe's most climate progressive citizens. 
but apart from the the students and the university, we have a diverse uh, business, and I I think that has helped us to, during the pandemic. Uh, so we have not just one sector to rely on. Uh, but we also have large international companies that are also based in our city. Uh, for instance, uh, Volvo, uh, Commerce Forest, SEO. Uh, but we also have a strong uh, world-class life science cluster. And we are, are, of course, now very happy about the, the Nobel Prize that were given to one of the researchers that have been based in, in UMIA and UMIA University. Uh, this city is also strong when it comes to AI and ET, and of course, as a university city, we have many SMEs and, and startups. But be uh, besides that, as uh, city administration, UMI has had a long tradition in investing in culture and social sustainability issues, and also trying to build trust uh, among each other. Uh, so at the moment we have the highest spending uh, on culture and civil 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 society per uh, inhabitants in Sweden. We have also, for instance, the highest number of library loans per person. Uh, but as I said, we're situated in the Arctic region, and Umeå is an urban island, you can say, in a very great and large region, which is sparsely populated, and we have very long distances to, to other cities and uh, urban areas. So, as uh, Ariana uh, very, uh, very good pointed out, cities are important, so for Umeå we are uh, we are playing an important role in the northern part of, of, of Sweden since we are one of very few growing cities. So cities are the driving force of innovation. So we are trying to, to do our part. And we are also trying to be an alternative to, to all the biggest cities in Sweden. Fantastic. That is new in short. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very helpful context. Thank you for that. And average age 39. Wow, that's full of young talent, huh? Um, so in many ways, I would say Umeå is probably at the beginning of its circular economy journey. It'd be great to share with the audience why, why Umeå started pursuing the circular economy. What were some of the initial motivations behind that? Uh, I think it's because we have an interest in the issues on the political level and the leadership, but also that our city administration, our city staff uh, is very interested when it comes to sustainability issues. Uh, but also, as I said, since we're situated where we are uh, in the Arctic region, we can really see that the climate challenges are for real and that they are affecting us and that we have to do our part. Uh, but also that we are a growing city and that means that we have to to plan. We are in the, in the process of planning and building uh, the city uh, and new city districts. Uh, and that, therefore we think circular economy can be a, a great tool for us in this work. Uh, and finally also uh, when it comes to urbanization, uh, that is not going away, uh, it's uh, continuing. So in order for us to be an alternative to other cities, uh, we really we have to to push the, the SDGs and the circular economy uh, so we can create a city where where people want to live now and also in the future. It's great to hear that Umiya has the sense of responsibility um, and we know that the city is already undertaking lots of work in the circular economy. It would be great to hear a little bit about the circular economy activities that are currently going on in the city and your priorities going forward. 
well, we like sharing solutions in Umu. We have uh, quite a few examples when it comes to, to sharing solutions. We have, when it comes to e-mobility, we have a sharing platform for electric bikes called Ubag. Uh, we also are fond of the library thought uh, is uh, not only for books we have it for uh, sports and uh, leisure equipment uh, it's called the leisure bank but it's the same thing as uh, an ordinary library but it's for other stuff so that means that uh, almost all people can get access to it and it's easy to share uh, and it's also good because it's enabled people to try new activities and they get access to new arenas and this has been now been up and running for two years and the leisure bank is the most successful one in Sweden at the moment because uh, the people in Umeå has really taken it to their heart and uh, now it's been over 100,000 loans uh, from the, the leisure bank and it's all uh, reused products so that's a good example. We're also trying uh, new things. We have a new product uh, called the Fact Movement. Uh, it's a circular, circular fashion project. And um, it's uh, trying to foster our culture where we stress the redesign, remake, uh, reuse. And this is a, a pilot project that's run uh, by the Swedish Fashion Council and in Umeå, in our city. It's conducted by our um, incubator called Expression. So uh, we're trying to educate uh, ambassadors uh, so uh, we can get a more circular uh, and sustainable uh, consumption shows, uh, choices uh, when it comes to fashion. But we're also another good example, and that's um, when it comes to uh, the manufacturers and uh, construction companies because so they have developed the system when it's uh, with that has to do with pallets and it's a system of delivering and buying back the construction pallets um, from end users and this has really saved uh, many discarded pallets and it's very good in reducing the co2 impact so it's like a circular flow and this is also won the Swedish Recycling Awards a few years back. And uh, this is our Umeå-based company. Uh, there is, of course, other examples, uh, our own uh, energy company for the municipality. We're now trying to, uh, to, to at least solar panels so you don't have to buy them so more people can get access, access to it uh, so it's not uh, so you don't have to buy them. And we have seen the interest, in, the interest uh, increase. Uh, so that's a few examples, uh, but uh, when it comes to our priorities, uh, I would say uh, one of the recommendations we were given from the OECD was to to develop a, a strategy for circular economy because we have writings in different um, documents or uh, plans that we have decided in the in the city council. But now we want to take the next step, and we we have decided we are going to, to develop a strategy for circular economy. Another thing we, that is our prioritized now is to have um, a coordinator for the work and she's already in place. So we're up and running when it comes to a coordinator fun function. Uh, we also start, uh, said that we should start mapping our initiatives and we have already done that. And this will also be a good way for us to speak to the stakeholders in, in the city. 
And as I said, well, we are trying to foster a circular economic culture, and this is, of course, now easier when we have um, we, when we have a coordinator in place and when we're starting the the mapping initiatives. Uh, but also uh, another prioritize will be us focusing on green public procurement, and we also hired a, a, a one person in order to only focus on on that. So that are our priorities for now. Thank you so much. It's great to hear about kind of concrete pilot projects as well as your ambitions for developing a roadmap and strategy going forward. Um, so one unique thing I think about Umia is not only do you have all of this local activity, but you're very well connected into international activities as well. You've been a case study in the OECD's research. You've also recently joined the Foundations Network and just earlier this month signed the European Circular Cities Declaration. Um, could you just tell us a little very quickly about how sort of opportunities and initiatives like this are important to a city like Omeo? Uh, I think it's very important because uh, we are situated where we are, uh, so we're very dependent on uh, getting influences from other organizations, other cities, uh, how we can push the agenda for uh, circular economy and the SDGs. So uh, we all, always want to learn from others because we don't all have all the answers. So we need the knowledge and experience that, that others have, and we also think it's, this is a good way for us in building networks. Uh, because that can strengthen our work on, on the local level. And yeah, we, we, we believe we have to do this to, to create the, the change we need to in order for us to continue the transformation. Fantastic, thank you. Um, I'll now I'll just ask a final question to you both, Janet and Ariana. Um, in maybe just 30 seconds each, what would you say is sort of the most important thing for policymakers um, to be doing now that will help them accelerate the transition to circular economy in their cities? Okay, I can go first. Uh, from my point of view, it is uh, really important to engage stakeholders. Uh, be, in, in order to develop policies, but also to implement them. Uh, there are a wide range of stakeholders that are really the doers, and this transition is a shared responsibility across uh, private, public, non-for-profit sector, civil society. This is a transition for all. It's not just a governmental issue. So I think this, uh, this, is, uh, this could be one of the most important things to do. Great. And Janet? Yeah, I agree with Oriana. I think uh, you have to have the issues uh, high on the political agenda in, in, in the city, but you have to do it with others because uh, you rely on everybody else in the society. So you have to to highlight the, the issues and that uh, others want to, to join you in the transformation. Oriana stated that barriers to implementing the circular economy in cities include insufficient funding, waste management, working in silos and cultural barriers. Oriana also emphasised the necessity to overcome these barriers for the circular economy in cities to achieve a positive environmental impact, jobs creation and economic growth and a boost to innovation. Janet provided us with an overview of the initiatives that UMIA are taking to implement an overall circular economy strategy for the city. That's all for this episode of the Explore the Circle Economy podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, share and comment wherever you are listening to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for listening to the Ellen MacArthur Foundation's Explore the Circular Economy podcast. Don't forget to share, rate and subscribe.